this last year, 2017, I think it could almost officially be labeled the year of hypocrisy revealed. Because as uh, I have read one news account after the other through the year, uh, the words of Numbers uh, 3233 have come to mind. You have sinned against the Lord, and be sure that your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. Some people, things that happened years and years ago, bad deeds that they uh, performed years and years ago have now found them out. It reminds me of the story of the butcher that uh, was closing up for the evening and a lady comes rushing in and she says, I need a chicken for a party tonight. And he looked down in his case. He had one chicken there in his uh, little cooler. And he said, well, let's see what we have. And he fumbled around. He acted like he had several chickens down there. Reached down, pulled this. Says, How about this one? And she said, well, you know, that's not quite big enough. So he said, okay. So he put that same chicken down in there. Fumbled around like uh, maybe there were some others. He pulled out and says, what about this one? And she said, that one is perfect. I'll take both of them. <laughs> and his sin found him out. And uh, that's what happened. Sooner or later, uh, the God's word is true. Your sin will find you out. There have been casualties on both ends of the political spectrum of uh, this past year from a congressman who ran and voted on a right to life ticket, encouraging his mistress to get an abortion uh, to a staunch women's rights supporter being toppled from his place at the top of the entertainment industry because of multiple report, multiple reports of sexual assault. And in between these two extreme cases are myriads of others where hypocrisy in one form or another has been revealed. But before we go any further, I need to say one thing in favor of hypocrites. Uh, the thing is, in both the cases of this congressman, and uh, the movie mogul who violated the values he supported, they both violated values that they espoused and supported. They acknowledged a standard. Hypocrites do have a standard. They pretend to live by that standard uh, in public. They live their lives pretending to be one thing when they're really another. But at least they have a standard. And... Uh, that's what makes a hypocrite, isn't it? Someone who has a standard, they know, they know the standard, and they say that they live by it, pretend to live by it, and really they're living their life differently. Someone who's a, who appears to hold one set of values who's actually living by another. At least these guys acknowledged a standard. Sadly, Many of the others who have had their sin brought to light, to light recently were basically people with no standards at all. I can recall on two occasions of people being accused of wrongdoing this past year, being quoted as saying more or less, 
yeah, I might have done that. I don't remember. I'm sorry if uh, they felt hurt in some way. Just totally amoral. No standards whatsoever. But the one thing that can be said for hypocrites, they acknowledge a standard. But one of the big accusations that people make against the church, maybe you've heard this, let's see, uh, when they're invited to attend is, that place is full of hypocrites. Have y'all ever heard that? Yeah, well, you know, it could be that they're right. Uh, it could be, and more than likely what's going on is they don't want to face their own sin and that's just a good excuse they found. But there's also those who they may know some real hypocrites. Let's face it, there are hypocrites in the church. There are those that they'll stand up and say the Apostles' Creed and not hardly really believe and embrace a word of it. True hypocrites. Then again, there are those that maybe they know, maybe they know some people that used to be really bad people. And maybe they have now been saved and transformed by the power of God. But the people that are calling them hypocrites just haven't seen how they've changed. And then there's some, they may know some people who have been witnessed some people slipping up, who have repented and gotten back on the right track again. And then there's some like most of us who we're still a work in progress. We still have a way to go. And yeah, there are areas of imperfections in our lives and we still have some growing to do. I remember over a decade ago, there was a, a bumper sticker and even more so a little tag that people wore that said P-B-P-W-M-T-L-I-T-W-M-Y. That's all it said. And what that stood for was, please be patient with me. The Lord's not through with me yet. And that is most of us. Most of us, we're still growing. And the Lord takes us to the woodshed from time to time and maybe even embarrassingly helps us find our growing edge and helps us to get either on track or back on track. But now, whenever you do run across those people that uh, say, uh, 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 that place is full of hypocrites, let me tell you how to respond to that. You might want to write this down so you don't forget it. Yeah, you're right. There are a lot of hypocrites there, but it's not full. There's still room for more. So why don't you come? Because let's face it, we all mess up. We all, from time to time, wind up doing things that go against what we say that we believe. Now then, we do run across hypocrites, and the hypocrites that Jesus is talking to in this passage we read today, they are people that are majoring in the minors and being hypocritical in the majors. And this is one of the things that Jesus did with people like that. With people like that, this is how he handled hypocrisy. 
First of all, he did confront it. But how did he confront it? That's the important thing. First of all, he didn't major in the minors. He majored in the majors. Little things, little nitpicking things he didn't make a deal out of. Uh, this all began whenever uh, the uh, uh, scribes and Pharisees were upset with him because he wasn't making his uh, disciples wash their hands before they ate. Nowhere in the Bible does it say thou shalt wash thy hands before thou eatest, does it? No. This was a, a man-made, manufactured law to make somebody look holy. And uh, so people did this to, to wash away any, uh, any cooties they got off of anything they might have touched, you know. But it wasn't God's law. And they were always criticizing Jesus and his disciples because they weren't following man's traditions. And he calls them on it because they are nitpicking people on tradition and man's rules and totally neglecting the big things that God had commanded of them. And those are the kind of things that Jesus called to people's attention. The little things, you know, and it happens today, you know, there, you know, the little things that are matters of opinion, like, uh, oh, let's see, some people will criticize one church because uh, they use musical instruments. They'll criticize another one because they don't. Uh, they'll, uh, you know, there's some things that are just matters of opinion, and there's some things that are minor. Uh, you know, like in the Methodist church, you talk about alcohol, half the people get mad, the other half get thirsty. You know, I mean, it's just uh, there are differences of opinion on different things. And, uh, uh, and, and those things, just little nitpicky things like, do you use wine or grape juice for communion? You know, uh, what color? Oh, my goodness, we have the wrong color pyramid out today. You know, God doesn't care about that stuff nearly as much as he cares about your heart and what shape your heart is in. And so those are the things that we need to be aware of. And sometimes we will have a friend who's committing adultery and getting ready to destroy their marriage. We'll have a friend who is doing something really, really wrong. And we need to know how to handle that. And so we confront, first of all, with caution. In fact, Paul gives a real good example, a good, good, some, some good instruction, we'll say, in Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him, and we might add, or her, gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So first of all, you confront with caution to restore gently. And the goal of confrontation is restoration. So you confront carefully because you don't want to be pulled into their sin and you confront 
not just to make them feel bad. The reason for confrontation is to win them back to the Lord, to get them back on track with him. And then you confront with commitment. And whenever I say commitment, yes, first of all, your commitments to the Lord, but also as brothers and sisters in Christ, you're committed to each other and you should be committed to watching out for the welfare of each other's souls and hoping and to help them to maintain the safety of their soul. Now then, here's another thing. And this is so important. And uh, this is something that the Lord has been working on me about all week long. You know, whenever lots of times I go through agony preparing these sermons because the Lord's dealing with me while I'm seeking him about what to share with you. And the thing is, make sure that you confront your own hypocrisy before you even try to help someone else with theirs. This is what Jesus is talking about when he says, or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck uh, out of your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. And this is what he's talking about. Don't go after somebody else and their sin if you're still in yours. And so uh, all the time that I was preparing for this message, I've been reminded of different moments in my own life during this past year. And I've been taking stock. And there have been times when I have fallen and been restored There have been times when I feel that I have failed and I had to go back to the Lord and he took me back. And I welcome this new year that's before us and I welcome it intending to live a life pleasing to the Lord, a life that's consistent before him, both in public and in private. And I invite you to do that along with me during this coming year. Now, here's what it'll take. First of all, and and the only thing it really is going to take, let's face it, is faith. That's it in a nutshell. Faith that his word is true. If you don't believe his word, you can't believe him. Faith that God really cares for you. Faith that his way will always be the best for you. Faith that his power and his presence are with you as you walk with him in faithful trust and obedience, forsaking every idol that you have trusted instead of him in the past. Little kids, the the children helped us to demonstrate that today. What faith is really all about. You need to be able to trust him. Trust him to just fall back into his arms. You need to trust that his way is the right way. And ultimately, you need to have faith that his grace is sufficient 
to blot out every sin from your past and give you a brand new start with him right now. You know, David was confronted by Nathan to in the the whole purpose of the confrontation was restoration. But David had to be confronted. He was living hypocritically, pretending to be God's man when he had sinned greatly with Bathsheba and committing adultery and then murderously killing uh, uh, Bathsheba's husband. And so Nathan confronted him with the story of a, of a poor man that had a little sheep. And this sheep was just uh, his family's pet and even slept with them at night. And the rich man had somebody that came for dinner and he took this poor man's pet and killed the pet to feed them his guests for dinner. And Nathan just got irate as he heard this story and said, this man ought to die. He said he ought to pay back four times what he took from that poor, poor man. And Nathan pointed his long bony finger at Nathan, at David and said, you are the man. And David confessed and he said, I have sinned his prayer that he prayed after that was this prayer. And I invite you to make this your prayer as we begin a brand new year with the Lord. Everything, every mistake we've committed, every sin we've committed in the past is behind us now. But we have a whole new year in front of us. May this be the prayer of all of us. Let us pray. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. We all pray this, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.